All right, if you do not have a Bible with you this morning, you're going to need one to follow along as we get into the Word. Um, Just go ahead and put your hand up if you would like a Bible for the service. Um, Our ushers will get you one right away. And uh, if you do not have a Bible of your own and you receive one of those, just keep the one that you have. Um, That's a gift to you. Um, This morning, I want to tackle a very important subject with you. And the subject is baptism. Baptism is a deeply significant act that we need to understand clearly from a biblical perspective. It's something that the Bible says a lot about. It's something that has rich, rich symbolism at its core. And it's something that means a lot to us as a church. And so I think this is well worth the time that we're going to spend on it here this morning. Now, sadly, baptism, as beautiful and meaningful as it is, has been the focus of great division and misunderstanding and unnecessary pain throughout history. Uh, I can't imagine how difficult it has been for God to watch his creation divide over something so critical to our relationship with him, something that he instituted through his son. And so for this and many other reasons, I've been developing a strong desire to return with you to the scriptures and see what the Bible teaches on the subject of baptism. We've addressed recently our core beliefs, and this is one of them. And uh, as a reminder, the Foundations class in our First Steps membership series is happening today after the service. For those of you who are interested, uh, that class is about our biblical foundation as a church. It's about what we believe, and there are more details on, in your bulletin on that. Well, we as God's church believe in baptism, among other things, because the Bible teaches baptism and we want to stay true to the teaching of God's word. Baptism is an essential part of our experience as Christ followers. And so let's dig into it a bit. And next Sunday, we'll look at another essential practice of the church. We'll look at communion. This also deserves a return to the word of God to see what it can teach us, what it has for us there. Now, I understand that most of you have already been baptized and have had the opportunity to explore the depths of this symbolic gift that God has given us, but there's a purpose here for you this morning as well, and as we increase our confidence and our boldness and our obedience in sharing the gospel with the people around us in our neighborhoods and elsewhere, uh, it's important that we have a clear understanding of what baptism is and how we fulfill our role as disciple makers in this area. Um, Remember what Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And as God's ambassadors in this world, we have been commanded by Christ to make disciples, to guide people into a flourishing, contagious relationship with Jesus Christ. We have been commanded by Christ to baptize those who accept his gift of salvation. And so for those of you who have been baptized already, listen this morning to the reasons and the biblical foundation for baptism. And listen for ways that you can answer questions that you might be asked about where this church stands on baptism. Uh, This city is one of the most likely places in all of America to be asked those questions. Now for those of you who have not yet been baptized, I want to invite you to bring your reasons for not getting baptized to the surface today. I want to challenge you to hold those reasons up to the light of Scripture and see what you discover this morning. Ask God to speak to you 
about baptism right now. Uh, We're going to explore his word for the next little while, and my prayer is that every one of us will deepen our understanding of what baptism is and the reason that we're we're to be baptized and to baptize others as God's church as well. Uh, I was baptized by my father when I was 15 years old. Um, I had reached the point of understanding what baptism really was and recognizing my need to be baptized. And so in the baptistry of the church that my father pastored at that time, uh, he cried his way through plunging me under the water. Um, I remember wondering how embarrassing it must be for a pastor to cry like that in front of his congregation. Little did I know. (laughs) Soon I understood the significance of that moment, and my understanding of that significance has grown continuously over the years. It grows every single time I have the honor of baptizing someone, and I get to hear what God is doing in them at that point in their life. Um, There's a reason for that growth. Baptism is a symbolic act that has tremendous meaning that I want to explore with you a bit right now. Um, So let's set the stage for our exploration by looking at just some of the examples of how baptism became so foundational in the life of a believer and in the church. The book of Acts in the New Testament is a record of the beginning stages of the establishment of God's church on earth. Christ had come and brought with him the new covenant and the fulfillment of the old covenant. Many things were going to look different now. And one of those differences was the institution of baptism by those who, by faith, had received and accepted the message of the gospel. A man named John the Baptist had been preparing the world to receive Jesus. And in anticipation, had been, preparing, had been baptizing those who believed the message of Jesus that he was proclaiming. And then Jesus came, and we'll get to his interaction with John the Baptist in a few minutes here. Those who received the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ and his sacrificial atonement, and the truth of Jesus being the Son of God and the Messiah, were being baptized in response to them putting their faith in Christ. Here's what was going down. This is Acts chapter 2, verse 41 says, so those who received his word, Peter's word, he was the one preaching at the moment, preaching the gospel. So those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So people were coming to Christ and they were baptized when they did. And there's the, the story of Simon the sorcerer and how he was fascinating people with his magic. But when Philip came and preached the gospel, people took note and their attention turned away from the magic show. Acts 8 verses 12 to 13 tells us what happened. It says, but when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. Later in that chapter... We see something else, someone else being baptized as they believed the gospel that they were hearing. And this time it was the eunuch that Philip met on the road. He believed and was baptized. And Acts records one of the most famous of all conversions, the conversion of Paul. And this is what was recorded from that experience. Remember that Paul had been blinded when he met Christ on the road. And after some reflection time for Paul, this is what happened in Acts chapter 9 verse 18 says, and immediately something like scales fell from Paul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose 
and was baptized. Now, there are more accounts in the book of Acts of people receiving the truth of the gospel, accepting that truth by faith, and then being baptized. That became a pattern established by Christ that continues to this day. And so in light of how widely it's been practiced, we do need to understand some things about the act of baptism. To start with, let's make two statements about what baptism is and what it isn't. First of all, we have to understand that baptism is not a means of salvation. Baptism is not necessary for salvation. Baptism does not get you into heaven or into God's family. Nowhere in the Bible does it teach that baptism accomplishes that for us. Baptism is a very significant act that accomplishes an awful lot, which we're going to look at here this morning. But baptism does not accomplish salvation for us. Now here's a statement of what it is, something that we'll unpack as we go along this morning. What is baptism? Baptism is an outward declaration of an inner regeneration. An outward declaration of an inner regeneration. Baptism declares to those around us what is happening and has happened inside us by the grace of God. Salvation comes through our faith and by God's grace. It's a gift from God. It's not something that we can accomplish for ourselves. And so baptism declares the work that God does in us as we trust him by faith. That's a basic definition, but I'm not satisfied with just that as a definition by itself. And so I studied baptism again, and I received refreshment again from the word of God, and it's all there. The Bible is sufficient to guide us in our understanding of what we believe And as an incredible bonus, we've been given the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ to guide us into all truth as well. And let me encourage you with that to make sure that you're going to the Bible for truth. There are plenty of other influences out there. Make the Bible your first influence when it comes to things like this. Get to know it. Become familiar with the truths of God's word. Then you'll begin to recognize when you're hearing truth from somewhere other than God's word. Um, Much has been added to the truth of the Bible, and we need to be very alert to those things that are coming at us. So let's walk through some of the components of the meaning of baptism. Uh, There's so much to see here, and I'm convinced that I won't cover it all right now. I'm learning as I go, so let me share with you what I've discovered so far in this journey. Um, This may or may not help you remember the meaning and significance of baptism. Uh, I find little acronyms helpful, so this is where my mind led me to this past week as I was preparing this message. Um, The acronym is SID, SID, and it just dawned on me a few minutes ago. Um, This is not a reference to Sidney Crosby. Um, That's not what this is. That's not why I used it today. (laughs) SID the Baptist, and here's how it breaks down. I want to highlight three aspects of baptism and use these three letters as reminders. Baptism is an act of at least three things. The first thing that I want to highlight is that baptism is an act of submission. It's an act of submission. Baptism is an act of obedience to God's command to be baptized. This is a very foundational aspect of baptism. Why do we get baptized? Because God commands us to be baptized. His desire is crystal clear on this. We need to remind ourselves regularly of the things that God commands us to do. And this is one of those things. We are to be baptized. 
Uh, we already looked at, at one passage in the Bible that makes this statement. Jesus gave his disciples, and in turn us, the great commission. And in that commission, we're, to, we're told to go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God wants his followers to be baptized. Then in Acts 2, verse 38, we see this command clearly given by the disciples as they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to their world. As people respond to what they hear about Jesus, they ask the disciples, what shall we do then? What are we supposed to do? And here's Peter's answer. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, repent and be baptized was a standard instruction around the spread of the gospel. There's a consistent order of things. The the truth of the gospel was accepted by faith, and following that inner regeneration, the adoption into God's family was the outward declaration of baptism. Now, on one level, this ought to be enough for us. God tells us to be baptized, so we get baptized. And I wonder sometimes why it is that we don't just do it that way in the church. But there are factors that get in the way, and I've seen those factors play out. There are obstacles that seem to pop up, and so let's talk about those obstacles briefly here. There's one struggle that I've, I've seen here many times. Um, some of you were baptized as babies in your parents' church, and that raises concerns if you're considering being baptized now as an adult. I've heard some, of, uh, some people say that they don't want to disrespect their parents' decision to have them baptized by doing it again, an act that may be seen as disrespectful. Um, I can certainly understand that concern. That is a valid concern. Baptizing infants, however, is neither practiced nor taught in the Bible. It's not there. It's a practice that was added to the traditions of the church. Now, in a church that teaches that baptism is necessary for salvation, I can understand the desire of a parent to baptize their child as a baby. They want the best for their children. And appreciation needs to be expressed for what they did. However, the Bible teaches, as you've already seen, that baptism follows a decision to put your faith in Christ. It is an outward declaration of an inner regeneration. God does the regeneration, but it's our faith decision that leads to that regeneration. We choose to follow Christ, and nobody can do that for us. Following Christ comes with a cost. We often forget that. The response of your parents or family members to your baptism may be that cost for you. You certainly want to express gratitude to to them for having you baptized. But Christ commands that we be baptized following our confession of faith. And we are called to be obedient to him, no matter the cost. I know this is not easy. I know it can create some pain or frustration on their part or some tension between you. But it may also be what God uses to draw them to himself when they see your devotion to Christ and to the word. And if this is your struggle, um, feel free to come and talk to me about this. Um, There are several here today who have already faced this challenge. And I know that they can help you find the strength and the perspective to follow Christ in obedience and overcome this obstacle. 
Another one of our obstacles is pride. I know many people who have been followers of Christ for years but have never been baptized. And it's been so long now that when they look at the idea of being baptized, they're concerned about what it'll look like to be baptized now when the people that they know probably assume that they were baptized a long time ago. For whatever reason, you've been putting it off and now here you are knowing that you should but afraid of what people will think of you if you do it now. Pride is an obstacle. It needs to be overcome. Fear is another common obstacle. We're afraid of getting up in front of people. We're afraid of having them watch while someone else dips us underwater and we swing back up in a less than dignified manner, not looking at all like we've just come from the salon. The public nature of baptism can be intimidating, certainly. But Jesus asks us to acknowledge him before men through baptism. Now, at the heart of the pride and fear factors is a need for a change in perspective, I think. We need to acknowledge the fact that baptism is not about us. It's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who saves us. He is the one who transforms us. Baptism is is a declaration of what he's done, not what we've done. The spotlight is on him and not on us. We need to let go of the thought that we have to reach a certain point in our lives when we've attained some sort of spiritual depth, when we can stand before people knowing that we have it all together, when we feel confident that we're doing enough right things and we're ready to be baptized. We have to return to the point where we acknowledge that baptism is an act of submission. It's not about us. What's the obstacle standing in the way of you being baptized? If you haven't done it, what's standing in the way? What's your obstacle? Is it enough to keep you from obeying Christ's command? Is there anything that's enough to keep you from submitting to Jesus Christ? Answer those questions today. Understand that God is asking you to submit to his command to be baptized. Baptism is an act of submission. Baptism is also an act of identification. Uh, This is my favorite aspect of baptism. It's certainly not the only aspect, but it's a great aspect. Um, There are very few ways in which we can identify with Christ as much as we can through the act of baptism. When we put our faith in Christ and are baptized, we are baptized into Christ. We enter into an experience with Christ. And that again reinforces the fact that baptism is not just about us. It's not something we do for Christ. It's something we do with him. So let's look at that perspective for a minute. Um, This joint experience began with him. With Jesus identifying with us specifically with our sins. And I've already mentioned that John started baptizing people before Jesus started his ministry. People came to him. To hear the gospel. And when they received the truth of the gospel. They were baptized by John. And then this incredible event took place. Turn to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to return to a passage that records the baptism of Jesus. Matthew chapter 3. Beginning at verse 13. We'll read through verse 17. And it won't be up up on the screen. Matthew 3 verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. 
John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented, John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Now, I can definitely understand John's hesitation. (laughs) Why would Jesus need to be baptized? He was perfect. There was no need for inner regeneration in him. There was no sin that had to be forgiven. He was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And here he is asking John, an imperfect human being, to baptize him. Why? Well, it was at that point that Jesus Christ first identified with the sins of man, with my sin. Jesus came into the waters of baptism to take up the burden of our sin and carry it to Calvary to be dealt with once and for all on the cross. So when we come to the water of baptism, we meet Jesus there. But this time we symbolically wash off the sin that Jesus picks up there And deals with forever. Jesus identifies with our sins. And we identify with our Savior. That is the beauty of baptism. There's so much significance there. We get down into the water with Jesus. That's what baptism symbolizes. And I have to admit that after I've discovered so much about baptism in the past several years. I want to do it again. (laughs) I want to get right back in there. I've got that image in my mind now of me and Jesus in the waters of baptism. But there's more in God's word about how we identify with Christ in baptism. Uh, Paul wrote of this in the book of Romans. So turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans 6. This is such a powerful passage. Romans chapter 6. And we're going to read the first 11 verses of this chapter. Romans 6 beginning in verse 1. Paul writes... What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? He's just been teaching them about the grace of Christ. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. 
For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now that is an amazing truth. Baptism represents our death and resurrection with Christ. We identify with Christ in baptism by symbolically dying with him, being buried with him, and being raised to life with him. We go under the water with Christ. That represents judgment. The waters of baptism are related in scripture to the waters of judgment. They're related back even to the flood when the earth was judged by God and wiped clean for God to start again with Noah and his family. God flooded the world in an act of judgment. And then passing into the waters represents us dying with Christ and being buried with him. And this is a very important bit of of identification. When we come to faith in Christ... Jesus says that we are to die to ourselves. Our will, our pride, our selfishness, our sinful habits, our misguided priorities are all to die. We don't get to hold on to those. They die with Jesus in the grave. And that grave is represented in the act of going under the water in baptism. And that's something that I think we need to take more seriously Our death to self is represented in baptism and we need to understand that when we get baptized. I think a lot of Christian people are still very selfish today because they have not identified with Christ in death. They've accepted the truth about Jesus for the sake of all that Jesus does for them but have missed the part where we die with him. So Christ's lordship in their lives is often never realized They've simply added the benefits without counting the cost of dying to self. When Jesus says that if anyone wants to follow him, he must first die to himself. And I am definitely describing myself here. Um, I wanted the new life that Christ brings me, but I was not willing for a long time to acknowledge my need to die with him. And then symbolically, we are raised with Christ into new life as we come up out of the water with him. We identify with him in death and in resurrection. And how can that new life be described? Well, Paul did a great job with this as well. Listen to his words in Galatians 3.27. He says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We identify with Christ in baptism by putting on Christ as we come up out of the water with him. It's a symbol that we are not the same people anymore. We have put on Christ. More and more as we walk through life, we are to be transformed into his likeness. We're to put on Christ. So baptism is an act of submission and it is an act of identification We respond to Christ in obedience by being baptized and we identify with Christ by dying, being buried and rising from the grave with Christ. What a picture that is of who we are and just how meaningful baptism is. But there's one more aspect of baptism that I want to cover before we're done today. Baptism is also an act of declaration. It's an act of declaration Beyond the obedience aspect and the rich symbolic identification that takes place in baptism, 
Baptism is also a statement being made to those who witness it. There are at least four things being declared when you're baptized, and we need to know that baptism was intended to make these declarations to those who witness it. And here are those statements. Statement number one is this. I declare that I was guilty and deserving of judgment. I declare that I was guilty and deserving of judgment. Baptism openly declares that we were indeed sinners in need of a savior. We needed the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to save us. In our former state, we were destined for eternal destruction and punishment for our sins. We needed to be washed clean of the filth that sin brings on us. And yes, all of this is a past tense statement. Baptism is a declaration of what's been done. It cannot accomplish this in itself. It represents and declares what needed to happen for us. We were guilty and in need of forgiveness. That's the first statement being made in the act of baptism. The second statement being made is this. I declare by faith that Jesus died in my place for my sins and that I have spiritually died with him. We declare that identification that I was talking about. We have died with Christ to ourself, to our sin, to the world. We have died with him and been buried with him in the symbol of the water. That's what we're saying by being baptized. And there's a third statement that goes something like this. I declare that I have risen with Christ from death into new life. That's what's taken place on the inside. I'm declaring it on the outside through the act of baptism. I am alive to Christ. I am alive forever. I am a new creation. All things have become new. I have been clothed with Christ. I have put on Christ. His mind, his will. I belong now to Christ. And it's Christ that gives me life. These are powerful statements that need to be declared. What a wonderful thing God has done. In giving us new life. And there's one more thing that's being declared in the act of baptism. I declare that my sins have been forgiven. I have been washed clean and my conscience is clear before God. Now, Peter also wrote of baptism in his letters to the church. He's the one who related the cleansing of the flood to baptism. He wrote in 1 Peter 3.21 that baptism is also an appeal to God for a clean conscience. Baptism is a declaration that we have been cleansed and that we stand before God with a good conscience, a conscience that is free from guilt and condemnation because of the saving work of Jesus Christ. We declare that we stand before God and the world free, free. This declaration looks forward to life lived in that freedom. This is the meaning of Of the act of baptism according to the Bible. Baptism is an act of submission. It is an act of identification. It is an act of declaration. It's something that we need to respond to in obedience. It's something we need to experience as a means of identifying with Christ. And it's something we need to declare as a statement of what Christ has done for us. With all that in mind... What could possibly keep us from being baptized? 
In Acts 22, Paul was telling his story, his conversion story to a crowd, and he recounted the events of his own conversion there. He recalled Ananias coming to him and restoring his sight at that time, and and Ananias took Paul on to the next step in his journey. Paul had received the truth that Christ revealed to him, and he had surrendered himself to God based on that grace. He knew what God wanted from him, and so Ananias said to Paul, And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized. So Chapel Hill, why do you wait? Why do you wait? God is calling you to be baptized. He wants your obedience. He wants to identify with you. He wants to declare his truth through you. So why do you wait? Should anything stand in the way of you being baptized? I don't think so. For those of you who have not been baptized yet, now is the time to do it. For some of you, you may be agreeing wholeheartedly with that, so let's set a date and get it done. We'll baptize people in any service, any Sunday. We can do that. Don't put this off any longer. Don't put it off any longer. If you want to invite your family and friends to be there for it, just do it. But call them today and invite them to next Sunday's service to see you get baptized. Don't put it off. There may also be some of you here today who know that you need to do this and you know that if you walk away without responding today, you're going to keep putting it off. Well, I'm ready for you. That baptistry is full of water and it's warm. We don't have any baptisms scheduled for today, but I brought my stuff. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do it right now. In the back, we have Chapel Hill Church baptism t-shirts that you can wear. We have towels that you can use to dry off. After the service, you can always just send someone home to get a dry change of clothes for you. Or you can go home soggy. but I don't want you to have any excuse for putting this off again. We're going to go into a time of worship now. The offering will come at the end of the service. We're going to go into a time of worship now. We're going to sing three songs together. And honestly, if you feel that unmistakable push from God to get this done right now, all you have to do is come and tell me, and we'll do it this morning. I'm going to be sitting right here in the front row on this side. And during the first song, and the first song only, during the first song that we sing together, if you want to be baptized today, right now, come and find me right there, okay? And then we'll go get ready, and you can be baptized. But please, I want you to understand this. This is not just for anyone. This is not just a wide-open invitation for anyone to be baptized. Um, If I don't know you, I'm not going to baptize you this morning. And it doesn't mean if I don't know you really super well. It means just if I don't know you because baptism is to follow an authentic confession of faith in Jesus Christ. And if I don't know that about you yet, then let's set up a time to meet, even this afternoon, and talk through this. But I do know some of you, and I know that you're just putting this off for some reason. And I don't want to leave you with an excuse today. There are no excuses this morning. You can take this step right now.
So come and see me during the first song if you know that you need to be baptized today and we'll make it happen. It's that important. It's that important. God calls his people, his children, to be baptized as an act of submission, identification, and declaration. And then he calls us to go into all the nations and make disciples, baptizing them as well. Baptism is a tremendously significant act, one that we need to understand clearly and respond to humbly. And so may God bless you as you take that step and as you guide others to experience it themselves. I'm going to invite the worship team to come now and lead us in song. And let me pray with you as they do. Father, we want to praise you this morning once again for the gift of salvation. For reaching out to us by grace and offering us new life. What a tremendous thing it is to know that we are alive in Christ. Thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you for dying in our place. Thank you that we have spiritually died with you. But that we have also risen with you into new life. Thank you for the new identity that you've given us. Thank you for your word. God, where we need to be obedient to your word, help us to do that. For those this morning who have not been baptized and know that they need to, I pray that you would give them the courage to take that step of obedience. Because baptism is an act of submission. I pray that this idea of being identified with you of of coming to a place where we identify with each other where you identify with our sins and we identify with our savior god we want to be there remind us today of that incredible connection we have that we have died and risen with christ and we have put on christ and father give us the courage to declare what you have done in our lives For those here today, Lord, who have been baptized, God, will you give us the boldness to be the ambassadors, the witnesses, the testimonies here in this world that you have called us to be. Give us the courage to lead people into a flourishing, contagious relationship with your son, Jesus Christ, to restore their relationship with you, and then to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, deepen in us this morning, no matter who we are, where we're at in our life, deepen in us this morning that recognition of who you are and what you've done for us. May your will be done in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name.